Welcome to Let's Talk OA, the podcast series on all things osteoarthritis. This space is designed for healthcare professionals to gather and learn from key world-renowned experts that dedicate their day-to-day in helping the lives of those living with OA. I'm Simon Fleming, your host for the series and a trainee orthopaedic surgeon in the United Kingdom. Today's episode, we're going to be talking about the FDA considering OA a serious disease. We are pretty lucky to have Ali Mobasheri on our podcast today. He's president of the Osteoarthritis Research Society International, which a lot of people just call ORC, and professor of musculoskeletal biology in the research unit of medical imaging, physics, and technology within the Faculty of Medicine at the University of Oulu in Finland. He holds a position of chief researcher in the State Research Institute Center for Innovative Medicine in uh, Vilnius in Lithuania and is an associate professor in the Department of Orthopedics and the Department of Rheumatology and Clinical Immunology at the University Medical Center Utrecht in Netherlands. Today, we're going to explore with him more about why and how we got the FDA to consider OA a serious disease. What a serious disease even is. We're going to look at the ORC white paper that led to all of this, and we're going to talk about how we, together, can maybe shift the paradigm a little bit and do things a little bit differently so that we can take care of our patients a little bit better. So I guess we should get right in there. The the FDA have said OA is now a serious disease. So uh, what's a serious disease? That's a great question, Simon. Uh, Osteoarthritis never used to be considered a serious disease. We always viewed it as a disease of joints. But looking at the problem more holistically, it affects the whole person. So when you talk about the impacts that it has beyond the knee joint and beyond the hip joint and any other joint that might be affected, and considering the socioeconomic aspects of it and the enormous healthcare costs associated with it, then we're really talking about a serious disease and one that is associated with morbidity and substantial impacts on society. So if I'm getting it right, it's serious because it it not only affects more than one body system, but it has broader implications, kind of socioeconomic and societal and and that sort of thing. That's what makes it serious. Yes. uh, Of course, at the body system level, we always used to think, okay, here it is a disease of joints only. And actually for decades, we thought of it just as a disease of articular cartilage. And the reason for that is really quite medical, because when you complain about joint pain, you go to your doctor, you say you have uh, knee pain, and the diagnosis is always clinical. And the confirmation is done by radiography. So you're sent to the radiography department and you have your x-ray done. And the result comes back and the doctor tells you, yes, you have osteoarthritis. And the radiograph simply confirms what the doctor suspected. But now we're thinking more about its impacts on all the joint tissues, its impacts on mobility and cardiovascular health and mental health. So the moment you start to consider all the other body systems that it affects, you really begin to recognize that it's a serious disease. I love that. So it's a really holistic view of the disease. And that holistic view has led us to realize that maybe it needs to be taken more seriously than it has been in the past. Absolutely. So I learned about 
osteoarthritis at medical school. And I think I'd even heard about it before I went to medical school in high school. So why did ORC declare OA as a serious disease initially? Great question. I think ORC decided to do this to have maximum reach to those parts of society that we hadn't reached. So the idea was to go beyond our normal um, reach of researchers and clinicians. We wanted to have maximum impact on policymakers, uh, pharmaceutical companies, regulatory agencies in particular. And this is why we went to the FDA, because ultimately all the treatments that can be approved for a particular disease, in this case, a serious disease, need to be approved by the FDA. So you really need to take it to the top and begin to engage with the same people and the same organization that will eventually evaluate the new treatments and the new interventions. Okay. So, I, I mean, I don't take much convincing, right? If we accept that our patients, like you say, are, are getting older, they're living longer, and this disease is becoming more and more prevalent, I won't argue that OA is, is not just a serious disease, but it's one that we really need to look at in a, in a different way. I guess for me, serious disease is such an emotive term. It, it nearly feels it, there's some negativity there. But I, I guess I'm asking as, as president of the ORC, can you start to now tell me why you're seeing this through? Like, what does what the future hold, do we think? I agree that the term serious disease has an implication of seriousness. I remember going to the Houses of Commons for a Set for Britain event with um, members of parliament who were interested in science and, and medicine and technology. And I was chatting to a member of parliament who uh, challenged me and said, well, you know, osteoarthritis doesn't seem to kill anyone. Um, it's not like cancer and cardiovascular disease. It's not like a heart attack or a fatal disease. But it turns out that if you think about the long-term impacts of osteoarthritis, if mobility is affected, then you become less active and obese. And as a consequence, your risk of developing cardiovascular disease and your risk of developing uh, some forms of cancer, which are related to obesity, also rises. So it is a serious disease from that perspective when you think about the chronology of the disease. Yeah, no, that makes that makes perfect sense, Ali. And I, I guess I'm curious about how you presented OA as a serious disease to the FDA. So how did you go about changing the minds of kind of big organizations? Because it's the big organizations that control the system and it's you know, those organizations and the system we need to change for our patients. Yes. So I should say that we haven't completely managed to convince the FDA yet. It's an ongoing process. So even though the white paper was published in December 2016, the engagement with the FDA is a long, drawn-out process. And we've started a um, quite active, dynamic process of collaborating with them um, we actually do this through other organizations as well. So it's ORC collaborating with the FDA and the United States Arthritis Foundation and various other arthritis foundations around the world. So together, we are much stronger. So ORC is the leading international organization focused on research on osteoarthritis. But we have many partners. And uh, in the United States, we have partnered with the Arthritis Foundation to take this message to the FDA. And we think it's really effective to do that in collaboration with each other. And we've started that engagement at two levels, organizing joint meetings 
focused on talking about the challenges of osteoarthritis drug development. And I think there's going to be a joint meeting on the 22nd of June this year. It will be a whole day symposium dedicated to this. And so it's not a job done. It's an ongoing dialogue. And what we're hoping to achieve is engagement with the FDA at all levels of research and clinical development so that they can become much more active partners in all the things that we do, whether it's basic research or translational research, but get them to help us with development of more efficient clinical trial guidelines to move to the next phase of clinical trial development. So hopefully there will be less attrition and failures in the in the drug pipelines. So I would say it's very much ongoing work, Simon. I mean, that that kind of is nearly reassuring that it's a, it's an iterative process, that it's not like someone has said, look, this is a done deal, we should take OA more seriously, and they've walked away from it. It sounds like there's a plan of ongoing advocacy, education, and research, which, you know, is how we bring around some change. So I guess my follow-up question is, then what are, what are the next steps? You know, from a, from a medical perspective, from a healthcare professions, broader team perspective, what's, what's next for us? Education, education and education. And I think it's about packaging that education to different uh, groups and organizations and even within professions to different levels. So, uh, for example, in your profession, Simon, in orthopedics, we need to package the education appropriately for medical students who are training and they might consider a career in orthopedics, but specifically specializing in osteoarthritis. We need to create a very clear package for them, uh, very clear messaging to encourage them to take up this career path. Then there needs to be different materials for policymakers, different educational materials for high school students or students who are I'm using the U.S. context here, who have scholarships to go to college and they might be professional baseball or basketball or American football players. I mean, the, this is a reality. A lot of the students at that level undergo pretty intense training and uh, injury is very common. So we need to develop different language uh, packages for dealing uh, with different groups within society. And of course, we are also learning from our colleagues working in Europe that to reach out to a venture capitalist, you also need to develop an entirely different vocabulary. So just approaching it from a scientific and clinical perspective does not seem to be appropriate. So we need to also understand the full implication of the direct and indirect economic costs. So that brings us back onto the white paper. The white paper was the first time that an organization put forward the idea that this disease is actually costing us a lot more than we originally thought. We were just thinking about the direct costs to the healthcare system, but the in indirect costs are really very significant. So it sounds like one of the ways we're going to try and change the way we manage uh, patients with OA, think about OA as a disease is around collaborating and it's interesting you mentioned kind of venture capitalists. Does technology have a role in, in how we look at OA? That's a really good question. Of course it does. Of course, technology has largely focused on imaging. It is potentially possible that in the future, in the near future, biochemical markers can also be integrated into the technology. And we need to begin to combine 
biochemical markers and imaging in terms of disease diagnosis, prognosis, and therapeutic monitoring or responses to a particular intervention. Whether that intervention is going to be drugs or physical activity. And I think by partnering with patients and patient groups, we can develop language that can enable patients to be engaged and understand what we're doing, why we're doing it, and so that they can be partners with us rather than just end users. So I'm always mindful of time, and I, I, I guess I could, I could speak to you all day about OA because it's it's the bread and butter of, of what I do. But I guess for our, for our listeners out there who are going to be healthcare providers, members of the team, uh, interested investors, you know, the, the world at large, what's your one key take-home message? What would you like them to take away from this podcast with you? We'd like them to remember that osteoarthritis is a serious disease that impacts not just the joint, but every aspect of their life. We need to develop uh, methods to diagnose it as early as possible. And once diagnosed, follow it, monitor it very closely and develop individualized treatments for patients, holistic treatments for patients. We need to develop better education for patients, healthcare providers, policymakers. At every level of society, we need to have infographics and material that they can understand. And this will be a collaborative effort, and it's going to take a long time, but we're in this, we're in this for the long-term gains. And this is the only way that we can work together to transform the lives of the many millions who have osteoarthritis and hopefully develop better treatments and prevention strategies for them. Thank you very much, Ali. That was, uh, that was one of the best ones we've had. And uh, I'm certain our audience are really grateful for having the president of the Osteoarthritis Research Society International uh, tell us about thinking about OA as a serious disease. Thank you for joining us on Let's Talk OA, a podcast series brought to you by Laboratories Expand Science. We'll see you next time as we continue to learn more about osteoarthritis.